look at this passage, Lord. I pray that you would please uh, help me to have the clarity of mind, Lord, to be able to teach your word, help us to be able to learn from this passage, that it would be a time that we could uh, just learn some doctrinal truths, Lord, and be uh, cemented in the things that the Bible says. We love you, Lord. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Okay, well, we're there in Matthew chapter number 19, and last week we dealt with the first part of of Matthew 19. This week we'll deal with the latter part, and we'll begin at verse number 16. At verse 16 begins uh, what's known as the story of the rich young ruler, and uh, some people use the story of the rich young ruler uh, to say, uh, to teach some false doctrine and some heresies. Uh, People like to take the story to say that um, Jesus was teaching a works salvation, that you had to keep the law in order to be saved. Uh, Some people uh, teach that this story proves that you have to be willing to give up certain sins to be saved or repent of certain sins to be saved. Uh, Obviously, all of that contradicts the rest of Scripture. Uh, Tonight, we're going to study in this context and look at it, try to answer a few questions for you. If if that confuses you, what I just said, you know, I I don't have time to go into the whole work salvation, repent of your sins and all that. There's a sermon on our website. If you go on our website, there's a sermon entitled uh, the repent of your sins deception and, and I would just ask it if you say well I thought you know I've been taught my whole life or whatever I don't have time to go into that but if you go and listen to that sermon I think it would answer uh, what the Bible says and obviously at Verity Baptist Church we try to follow everything that the Bible says we're not saying that people should not repent of their sins uh, in or, you know once they're saved but if you have to do anything in order to be saved then the Bible calls that a work salvation the Bible says that we are not saved by keeping the law or doing works and I don't have time to go into that, uh, you can study that out on your own or, or talk to me after the service. Look at verse 16 though, the Bible says, and behold one came and said unto him now I want you to notice with the rich young ruler he comes to Jesus and, he, and he, he says good master, okay, that's the title that he gives him, he says good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life, okay, now Verse 17, the Bible says, and he said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God but if thou wilt enter into life keep the commandments. Now uh, but, you know, let me just point out a couple of things in regards to this. The first thing you need to understand is, the rich young ruler did not believe that Jesus was God. Okay? He did not believe, he, he simply believed that Jesus was a good man, a good teacher. He did not acknowledge Jesus as the Holy One, as the Messiah, as the Son of God, as someone that came from heaven. Uh, he just thought he was a good uh, guy. He thought he was a good master. That's why uh, he, he comes to Jesus and says, he says, good master, and, and Jesus Jesus says, why callest thou me good? Now here's what Jesus is saying, because the Jehovah's Witnesses like to take this passage to say, you know, uh, to try to say that Jesus isn't God. And they'll say, well, Jesus here says that he wasn't God. Okay, Jesus never said he wasn't God. Here's what he said. Why are you calling me good? There is none good but one. That is God. Okay, so here's what he's saying. There's only one person that is God. So here's what Jesus is basically saying. If I'm good, then I'm God. And if I'm not good, then I'm not God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Keep your finger there in Matthew 19. Go to Romans chapter 3. Let me just uh, show you a couple of passages. Here's what you need to understand. Romans chapter number 3. You're there in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Jesus is not saying, I'm not God. What He's saying is, if you are saying that I'm good, then you are saying that I'm God, and you don't acknowledge me as God, so why are you calling me good? Because there's only one good person in this world. Are you there in Romans chapter 3? These are well-known verses, but I'd like you to see them. Romans chapter 3, look at verse 10. Romans chapter number 3, and verse 10, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. 
Romans chapter 3 and verse 10 says this, as it is written, there is none righteous, no not one. A righteous person is someone who always does right, someone who's never done wrong. A word you and I would use would be perfect. The Bible says there is none righteous, there is none perfect, no not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. Notice verse 12, they are all gone out of the way, they are together become unprofitable. Notice, there is none that doeth good, no not one. That's why when people often ask me, why do bad things happen to good people? I say, what good people? There is none that doeth good. The Bible says no one's good. We're all sinners. We all, look, we all deserve to die and burn in hell for eternity. And it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. That's what the Bible says. So here's, here's what Jesus is saying. Because this young man does not acknowledge Jesus as God. He says, good master. But he, he, Jesus says, well, look, there's only one good person and that's God. So don't call me good if you don't think I'm God. Because here's what he's saying. And Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, they'll say, they'll say, well, um, you know, Jesus saying that he's not good. And, and you know, but the Jehovah's, all these false religions, none of them will say that Jesus is a bad person. None of them will say he's a sinner. You know, here's the thing. If Jesus is good, then he's God. And if he's not God, then he's not good. Then he's a sinner. Because the Bible says there is none that doeth good, no, not one. Now let me just show you that this young man did not believe that Jesus was God. Go to Mark chapter number 10. We're in Matthew 19, we're studying the book of Matthew, but Mark chapter 10 gives us a parallel passage to this story. So it gives us another account of the same story, and there's a little more insight in Mark chapter 10. And let me just show you that this young man did not acknowledge Jesus as God, or as the Messiah, or as the Holy One. Mark chapter number 10, look at verse number 17. Mark chapter number 10, and verse number 17. Matthew Mark, Mark right after the book of Matthew, Mark chapter 10, in verse 17, the Bible says, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came, unto, there, there, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him. Now notice what he asked. Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So notice, he calls him, he calls Jesus, good master. Now notice verse 18. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none uh, good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, uh, honor thy father and mother. So here's the thing, verse 17, he comes and calls him good master, verse 18, Jesus says, why callest thou me good, there is none good but one, that is God, he said, look, if you're going to call me good, then you have to acknowledge that I'm God. Amen. Now notice verse, notice verse 20, look at what the young man does, and he answered and said unto him, master, okay, do you notice the word he dropped? In verse 17, he said, good master. In verse 20, in verse 18, Jesus said, well, if I'm good, then I'm God, because there's only one good one, and that's God. So then in verse 20, he says, okay, let me rephrase that, master. And he says, all these that I have observed from the youth. So notice, he doesn't call him good anymore, because when Jesus says, hey, there's only one good, and that's God, he says, oh, okay, then you must not be good. So this guy is not acknowledging Jesus as the Messiah, as the Savior. Go back to Matthew 19. That's the first thing you need to understand. Okay, Jesus is not teaching. There are tons and tons of verses that prove the deity of Christ. I'm not going to go into that. We're actually talking about that on Saturday morning at the soul winning meeting, so you're welcome to be here for that if you'd like to get more insight on that. But go to Matthew 19, look at verse 16, okay? Now I want you to notice what this arrogant young man approaches Jesus, the question that he asks. Look at verse 19 again. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good Master. Now notice the question. He, he said, he did not say what, well notice what he says. He says, What good thing 
shall I, notice, do, that I may have eternal life. Okay? He's saying, what do I need to do in order to have eternal life, in order to go to heaven? Verse 17, people like to take this verse and say, well, Jesus taught a work salvation. Because in verse 17, He said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, notice, keep the commandments. Some people say, well, why did Jesus tell him to keep the commandments? Because here's what you need to understand. This man did not approach Jesus with a humble attitude. This man approached Jesus in an arrogant attitude, not acknowledging Him, not respecting Him. In fact, he called Him good master. Jesus said, well, uh, there's only one person that's good, that's God. So then he says, okay, you're right. Hey, master, you know, he's disrespecting Him. And, and, and he asks a specific question. And here's what you need to understand, okay? There are two ways for someone to go to heaven. The first way is if an individual hypothetically was able to keep all the commandments, that individual would be able to go to heaven. The problem with that is, like we already saw in Romans chapter 3, that there is none righteous, no not one. That there is none that doeth good, no not one. That no one is able to keep the commandments. So therefore, Jesus, who was the only one that was able to keep all the commandments, died and took my sin and took my punishment so that I could go to heaven. There are, if someone was hypothetically able to, just from the day they were born, keep all the commandments, they would be able to go to heaven. But no one's able to do that. you understand that? The Bible says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. If you break God's law in one point, you say, I kept, I kept the whole law. I just told one lie. I just made one mistake. The Bible says it's like you're guilty of all. Okay? So no one's able. But here's the thing. He cut, I guess you could say Jesus is almost... In another passage, the Bible says that Jesus looked on him and he loved him. So I don't think that Jesus means a smart aleck with him. But, but he says, you know, what do I need to do to go to heaven? And Jesus says, well, and Jesus just simply answers this question. He says, well, what you need to do, since you don't want to acknowledge me, since you don't want to believe on me, since you don't think that I'm someone that you, you should believe on, you just think I'm a man. He says, what you need to do then is keep the commandments if you want to go to heaven. Right. Now look at verse 18. And he saith unto him what every typical unbeliever would ask. Which? Because look, I don't, I don't want to know that I need to keep all. I, I, I would just want to figure, if, if I have to keep the commandments to go to heaven, I want to know which ones do I need to keep. And I'll just make sure I keep those. You know what I mean? He saith unto him, which? Which one of the commandments do I need to keep? Now notice, Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up, what like I yet? Now, this guy literally thinks that he's been good enough to go to heaven. Okay? Now, before we go any further, let me just explain to you something about the commandments, because it will help you understand the story a little bit. Go to Exodus chapter 20 in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus. Exodus chapter 20 is the first time we find the Ten Commandments, which is uh, basically what Jesus is quoting here, except for the last one. And let me show you something about the Ten Commandments, okay? The Ten Commandments are broken into two parts. There are two parts of the Ten Commandments. The first part of the commandments deals with man's relationship with God. The second part of the commandments deals with man's relationship with man. 
Okay? Are you there in Exodus chapter 20? Look at verse number 1. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1. The Bible says, And God spake all these words. Uh, that has to do with the inspiration of Scripture. Saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Exodus chapter 20. Look at verse 3. In verse 3 we find the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. In verse number 4, you find the second commandment. And look, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm just a lowly preacher, okay? I'm not here to correct, you know, hundreds and thousands of years of church history. But, you know, really, it, it, the Ten Commandments should be the Eleven Commandments, okay? Because in verse 4, you have, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Okay, that's a specific command. Um, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above. That's your little dove that you put, um, you know, behind your car. And that is in the earth beneath. That's your cross. Or all that that is in the water. That's your little fish that you put on your car under the earth. You say, Pastor, I don't think you should be saying, I'm just telling you, that's what the Bible says. I shall not make unto thee any graven images. That's why we don't have crosses. That's why I don't put a dove on my car. That's why I don't put a fish on my car. Because God says, I don't want you to do that. Okay? You either uh, can go with tradition or you can go with what the Bible says. Look at verse 5. Though. Thou shalt not bow down myself to them. Now that gets lumped in with verse 4. And I'm okay with that. But that's a specific other command. Okay? In verse 4 you have, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. That's a specific command. To not make an image. In verse 5... It says, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them. Because here's what people like to say. They say, well, it's okay to have an image, just don't bow down to it. It's okay to have a cross, just don't bow down to it. But that's not what the Bible says. In verse 4 it says, to not make it. You understand that? Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. In verse 5 it says, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them. Those are two specific uh, commands. So, you know, call them whatever the 11 commandments. People are going to think you're weird. Call them 2A and 2B. I don't know. Uh, But anyway, he says, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them. Verse 5, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me, and keep my commandments. Look at verse 7. We have commandment number 3. Okay, so commandment number 1 was this. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So that's between me and God. Right? Commandment number 2 was to not make any graven image. That's between me and God. Commandment, you know, 2.5 was uh, to not bow down thyself to any image. That's between me and God. Verse number 3. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. That's your, oh my God, that you like to say. Using the name of God for no reason. To take it in vain. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless and take his name in vain. That's between me and God. Every time the word God comes out of my mouth, there ought to be a reason for it. And not, not be just taken in vain. Verse, verse 8, look at the commandment number 4. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That was between the children of Israel and God. Verse 9, six days shalt thou labor and, uh, and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and hallowed it. Okay? Now in verse 12 we transition. All of that had to do with us and God. Not putting any gods before us. Not making any graven images. Not worshipping any graven images. You know, uh, acknowledging the name of God and not taking His name in vain. Having the Sabbath day. All those things. Okay. In verse 12 you have the fifth commandment. Now notice how it changes. Now the commandments are about us and other people. Look at verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother. 
that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Notice verse 13. You can find commandment number 6. Thou shalt not kill. That's not between me and God. That's between me and other people. Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's between me and other people. Thou shalt not steal. That's between me and other people. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. That's between me and other people. And by the way, that's the line part. Of verse 10. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his or anything that is in thy neighbors. Okay? Go to Matthew 22. Let me give you just a little more insight into this. So you see how the commandments are divided into two parts. The first, you know, four have to do with our relationship with God. And the latter have to do with our relationship with man. I'm not going to worship any other God. has to do with me and God. But I'm not going to kill you or, you know, steal from you or lie to you. has to do with my relationship with men. This is uh, clarified, this concept of two parts of the law is clarified in Matthew 22. Look at Matthew 22. We're in Matthew 19, but just look at Matthew 22 so you can see this. Matthew 22, look at verse 36. Matthew 22 and verse 36, the Bible says this, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? So again, another person comes to Jesus asking him a question. They said, what is the great commandment in the law? What's, what's the number one commandment, the one, the most important one? What is it? Now notice verse 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Okay, here's the thing. If you love the Lord thy God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, are you going to create an idol when God told you not to do it? Are you going to worship that idol? Are you going to have another God before Him? Are you going to take His name in vain? Okay, so you see how like He says, this is the greatest commandment to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But notice, verse 39, here comes the second part. And the second is like unto it. He says, the second greatest commandment is similar. He says, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Okay, if I love my neighbor as myself, am I going to covet the things he has? Am I going to lie to him? Am I going to kill him? Am I going to, you know, steal from him? No. Okay, now notice verse 40. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Here's what he says. If you can get these two concepts down, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself, he said you would, you would cover all of the other commandments. Because he said you would, you would not sin against God and you would not sin against man if you loved your neighbor as yourself and if you loved God with all your heart. Okay, go back to Matthew 19. Look at verse 18. I want you to notice the commandments that Jesus quotes to this young man. Because remember, he said, what must I do? And Jesus said, well, you you got to keep the commandment. And he says, which one? Now notice the commandment. Because Jesus, you know, Jesus is the best soul winner who ever lived because he's God in the flesh. And he knows what you think and he knows. Uh, and, and he's bringing this man to a place where he can understand salvation. Look at verse 18. He said unto him, which? Jesus said, okay, notice the commandments. Here's commandment number 6. Thou shalt do no murder. Here's commandment number 7. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Here's commandment number 8. Thou shalt not steal. Here's commandment number 9. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Here's commandment number 5. Honor thy father and thy mother. And he lumps that whole concept together by saying, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now notice, all of the commandments have to do with the relationship between a man and another man, or between people. 
The overviewing statement is, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, at the end of verse 19. Now here's what you need to understand. This guy may have been pretty good at keeping the commandments that dealt with man's relationship with man. But notice verse 20 of Matthew 19. The young man say that to him, All these things have I kept for my youth up. Now number one, I don't believe that. Okay, I don't believe that this guy has never lied. Okay, I don't believe, it, believe that. But he says, look, I've never murdered. I've never committed adultery. You know, th those two might be true, you know. Uh, I've never stole. That might be true. I've never borne false witness. I doubt it. You know, I've always honored my father and my mother. Yeah, right. Okay, you know. I've always loved my neighbors. He says, I've done all of it. Now here's the question that he asks. What lack I yet? He said, look, I've done all of those commandments that you quoted, Jesus. What else do I need to do? What am I lacking to be able to go to heaven by the, the way that I live my life? Notice verse 21. Jesus said unto him, okay. He says, if thou wilt be perfect, he says, you think you're so perfect, since you think you're so good, if thou wilt be perfect, now Jesus... Here's the thing, here's what you gotta say. People say, well, Jesus is gonna tell them that he's gotta do something, and that proves that there's certain sins you gotta get rid of, or there's certain things you gotta do in order to be saved. But what Jesus is doing, see, this young man is not ready to hear the gospel. And what Jesus, this guy thinks, I'm pretty good, I've never sinned, there's no reason I shouldn't go to heaven, and he's basically trying to get that affirmation from Jesus, getting Jesus to say, yeah, you're pretty good, you're gonna go to heaven. Jesus is gonna put his finger on a sin that this young man has, and press on it, to be able to get this guy to realize, you're not as good as you think you are. Amen. Now notice what he does, verse 21. And Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect, he said, okay, if you're so perfect, he said, then why don't you do this? Go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Now he didn't say, go do that, and you're going to go to heaven. He said, go do that, and then Jesus says, you're perfect, right? You're already on your way to heaven. Sell everything you have, you have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. Now, here's what that tells me. You don't have to do something to go to heaven, but you do have to give up certain things to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But he says, look, if you're so perfect, then, then sell everything, you'll have treasure in heaven, come and follow me. Notice verse 22, 22. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. Why did he go away sorrowful? For he had great possessions. See, this was a very rich young man. And he loved his possessions. And here's the thing. He loved the stuff he had more than he loved God. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Now look, there's nothing wrong with money, but when you love money, there's a problem with that. And if you would have asked this guy, do you love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind? The answer would have been no, because he was not willing to give up his great possessions to follow Jesus Christ. And here's what Jesus is trying to explain to him. You're not as good as you think you are. And by the way, didn't Jesus already just get done telling him, hey, there's only one good, and that is God. And you're not it. If you're not... If you're not God, then you're not perfect. And Jesus is trying to bring this young man to... And by the way, that's why we teach our soul winners. When we go out soul winning, the first thing you deal with someone is what? You're a sinner. And you deserve to go to hell. Because someone cannot be ready to receive salvation if they don't realize that they need to be saved. That's what's happening in the story. This guy was pretty good at the second part of loving your neighbor as yourself. But he was not good at the idea of loving God 
more than anything else because he loved his possessions more than he loved God. And Jesus is just pointing that out and saying, you're not as good as you think you are. And you can't go to heaven based on the things you do because you do not keep the entire law. He says... The Bible says that he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. The point is this. No one is good enough to go to heaven except God. And as good as you are and as religious as you are, we all have sin that will keep you from being able to go to heaven. That's why we need a Savior, Jesus Christ. Just look at verse 17 again. He said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. That is God. And I would say to the rich young ruler, that includes you, my friend. The only person that is good enough to go to heaven is God. Now notice verse 23. Okay? Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, unfortunately, most rich people aren't going to go to heaven. And that's the truth. And if, you know, I'm not trying to be rude or mean, and this is not, this is not a hundred percent. I'm not saying that this is for everybody. But go out soul winning with us. When we go to the nice neighborhoods, and when we go to the not so nice neighborhoods, and, and you would, you would see a huge, you will see a huge difference as to some neighborhoods are more receptive to the gospel than others. And Jesus is teaching, you know, a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. Verse 24. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, this is a verse that a lot of people like to attack the word of God on. And some people ask me, what does that mean? It means exactly what Jesus said. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Let me, let me read something for you here. Some theorize that the needle Jesus was speaking of was the needle gate. Supposedly a low and narrow after hours entrance found in the wall surrounding Jerusalem. Who's ever heard that before? You know, it's not an actual needle, it's not an actual camel. It's just this gate that was this low, you know, and narrow entrance and, um, you know, surrounding the wall. It was like they had the main gate during the, you know, business hours. And then when they closed that gate, there was this little gate for after hours. It was uh, it was purposely small for security reasons. And a camel could only go through it by stripping off any saddles or packs and crawling through on its knees. Okay, the problem with this theory is there is no evidence such a gate ever existed. Beyond that, what sane camel driver would go through such uh, contortions when larger gates were easily accessible? The most likely explanation is that Jesus was using hyperbole, a figure of speech that exaggerates for emphasis. Jesus used this technique for other, uh, other times referring... Remember when he talked about the beam in Matthew chapter 7, where he talked about swallowing a camel, we'll see that in Matthew 23. Uh, the message is clear, okay? Jesus was making a point that it, it, it's, it's important... Now here's the thing, notice verse 25, Matthew 19, 25. When his disciples heard it, because Jesus says, you know, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, who then can be saved? He said, well, look, I mean, if, if it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, then who can be saved? And that's the point. It's impossible for anyone to be saved without God. That's the point. Say, 
can I be saved? Because I've repented of my sins. I used to drink. I used to be on drugs. I used to be, you know, this. I used to be that. But I quit doing that, and now I'm going to heaven. Or I'm going to go to heaven because I got baptized. Or I'm going to go to heaven because I got catechized. Or I'm going to go to heaven because I spoke in tongues. Or I'm going to go... Look, if you're trusting in something for your salvation, you're going to die and go to hell. Because it's impossible for you to go to heaven on your own merit. That's the point. They said, well, well, if, if, the case, if this is the case, who then can be saved? Now notice what Jesus says, verse 26. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With man, this is impossible. What's impossible? Well, a rich man being saved, a camel going through the eye of a needle, anyone being saved on their own? With man, this is impossible. And by the way, that, that destroys the whole low and narrow after hours entrance. Because it wasn't impossible for a ca- if that if that after hours entrance existed, it wasn't impossible for a camel to go through there. It was just difficult. Okay? Jesus said, with men, this is impossible. So he's proving the point that he's talking about a camel going through the eye of a needle. He says, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Can anybody be saved? Well, with God you can be saved. The truth is, if someone is trusting something, something they do, in order to go to heaven, it is impossible. We can only be saved, we can be saved only by uh, God doing the impossible for us. And here's what you need to understand, okay? This story is not teaching that you must give up certain things to go to heaven. This story is not teaching that you see this rich young ruler, he had all these possessions. He had to give up his possessions in order to go to heaven. No, the point that Jesus is trying to make to this young ruler is you need to understand that you are a sinner on your way to hell. The story is teaching, uh, it's teaching the opposite of that. This story, you know, people, well, here Jesus is teaching that he's not God. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, if you're going to acknowledge me as good, then you have to acknowledge me as God. And if you, and if you don't think I'm good, then you don't think I'm God. And it's just an encounter that Jesus was having with this young man and trying to bring him to salvation. Now the Bible does not record for us that he got saved later on. I'd like to believe that this wasn't the only encounter Jesus had with him. I'd like to believe uh, by the way that Jesus was dealing with him that maybe he continued to have conversations with him. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us that. Um, Next week, I'd like you to notice verse, well, look at verse uh, 26. Next week we're going to be in chapter 20 and we're going to be dealing with a certain parable. Um, But I want you to understand kind of the context and we'll review this next week. But if you look at verse 26, the Bible says, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is possible, with God uh, all things are possible. Verse 27, Then answered Peter and said unto him, Because remember, Jesus just told this young man, Give up everything you have and follow me. So that gets Peter thinking. Good old Peter, we like Peter, you know. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Well, that guy was not willing to give up his possessions for you. But behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, That ye which have followed... Notice, he's not talking about salvation. He says, That ye which have followed me... 
In the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of His glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, and every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sister, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Here's what Jesus is saying. You haven't given up anything. He said, when you get to heaven and you get your rewards, you'll see the things you gave up on this earth as it was easy. Okay. Now, what the interesting thing is in verse twenty, in chapter twenty, he begins to give a parable where he basically rebukes this thinking of Peter, and we'll get into that next week. But I, I just wanted uh, to be able to finish that. So, so remember that for next week when we're in chapter twenty. But Jesus is basically telling Peter here, uh, you know, don't don't bargain with me, Peter. Okay, he's like, I'll take care of you. I'll make sure you get paid uh, what you deserve. All right, let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for our church, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to be able to study uh, the Word of God together. And as we look at uh, this rich young ruler, there's uh, a lot of false doctrine that's taught in regards to the story. And I pray that you would help us to uh, study. That we would study to show ourselves approved, Lord, and that we would understand that uh, one passage of Scripture does not contradict other passages of Scripture. And help us to get our doctrine from clear statements in Scripture and to not get our doctrine based on uh, stories or conversations, but what the Bible actually says. And, but Lord, thank you for recording this story for us and recording this uh, interaction you had with this rich young man to, for us to be able to uh, look at it and see how you uh, acted with people and reacted with people. And Lord, uh, we love you. Thank you for giving us salvation. In your precious name I pray. Amen.